Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by a number of members of the team of Stewardship and Mission of Faith. Welcome Hannah Woodward, Tom DeAngelis, Rob Longo, and Tom Terrace. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, David. Good to be, Good to be here. here Good to be here. Awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit and we're going to break open the bread of life to see how the Lord wants to speak to us today and how he wants to... Uh, walk out his way in love. So with that, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts? I would love to. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear God, you are awesome. Sorry for the times that we're not so awesome, and, uh, and we let you down and, and, uh, and turn our backs to you. Uh, Lord, thank you for the gift of your patience, that you're always ready to welcome us back. And as we open up your word today that we will hear on Sunday at Mass, just, uh, just help us to have a heart that is, that is pliable, that is uh, moldable, that you could you know, just penetrate the deepest recesses of our hearts to heal us in places that we might not have allowed you in before, uh, that your word will just penetrate those, those areas of our hearts. Uh, please, Lord, protect everyone who is listening and uh, just allow each of us to take one step closer to you this day. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And with that, Tom, do you mind to give us a little gospel love? Sure. A reading from the gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose I have come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When we hit the words, she waited on them, immediately it came to my heart that we serve the Lord when we serve others. And when we really look at our daily journey, and when we have those opportunities to be a blessing to others, do you realize that you're being a servant to the Lord, that you're feeding him when he's hungry? You're clothing him with, you know, with, with, with whatever he needs that day. So for me, she waited on them. 
you know, whenever I serve the Lord or whenever I serve others, I want to understand in my heart, I'm actually serving the Lord. And Jesus tells us that when he tells us, you know, and they said, you know, well, Lord, when do we f- see you naked? And when do we, you know, feed you? And when do we give you a drink? And he said, each time you did this for the least of mine, you did it for me. So for me in my life's journey, I want to make sure that when I am allowed through the grace of God to be a blessing to others, that I realize I'm actually being a blessing to the Lord because of being his servant here and his vessel of his love. What stood out uh, to me in this in this gospel, maybe because of all the sickness going around in my house with my kids and you know, who's, uh, who's got the flu, who's, who's thrown up, who's, uh, who's got a fever, is uh, this whole idea of, of Peter's mother being sick and, and she was laid out and she was unable to serve. And, and I was just thinking, how often in my life, even if it's not a physical illness, um, have, have I been on the sidelines? Have I allowed certain things in my life? Have I, have I, you know, how have I allowed laziness or procrastination or, or stubbornness or whatever to sideline me from truly serving? Because, David, you're right that you know, it's only when we're serving others you know, are we truly showing how much we love God, right? Because it's easy to say, I love God. But until we put it into action, is it, is it real? Is it real? You know, we can talk a good game all day. So, you know, what, what's sidelining me? What kind of, you know, in quotes, what kind of fever do I have that I need to have the touch of Jesus to heal that, to heal any unforgiveness, to, to you know, put energy or motivation or whatever into my heart to, to get into the game to love, to love, especially at home, starting at home with my wife and my kids, um, to not allow, uh, to not, not allow myself to, to fall prey to being sidelined like that, you know, with, with any, you know, any laziness or wanting to be served first. Um, so I need, I need Jesus's help with that one for sure. And, you know, Rob, with you saying that, I was, I was stuck on the fact that no matter that everybody was looking for him, Jesus took the time to go to a deserted place where he prayed. And I got so challenged this morning by an 88-year-old Mennonite lady, young lady, that that poured her heart out of of just taking that one hour a day out of the 24 and in silence sitting at the Master's feet, sitting at the Lord's feet, and being just filled by Him. Because, Rob, too many times we're out Zooming. We want to get everything accomplished, want to do all this and do all that. And, and you know, and God's standing there going, hey, hello, I'm here. And, you know, I build my, I always tell people, real good counsel, build your schedule around God. But then I go and set my agenda and go zooming and then try to fit God in. And I think it's so important to take that quiet time. And we, Jesus shows us that in the garden. He takes his three closest companions. He's going to go to his passion. He's going to give his life for them and for all of us. And he says, pray. And he goes off and prays with the Father. He comes back. His boys are sleeping. It happens three times. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And he finally says, can't you give me just one hour? And I think that statement is for each and every one of us. Can't we give the Lord each day just one hour to fill up, to be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ so that when we do go out and we preach and we share the good news through our actions, we're sharing Christ purely, his overflowing love. So for me, it really hit home, you know, and and I don't want to be led by the tyranny of the urgent. I want to be led by Christ to the foot of the Father and just be present, be in the moment, and allow the Father to speak. 
because too many times, you know, I, I got really challenged this weekend when I heard a pastor's message. He said, David, the uh, it's about the vine. And he said, the gardener, God the Father, he prunes some of it. And then he waters and tends to it. What part of your life needs pruned and what part needs watered? So I'm sitting there going, huh, that's an interesting question. So I say, okay, God, what part needs pruned? And immediately, the fact that you ha- are watching television every day, clicking through the channels and wasting the gift of your, the time that I've given you is not is giving a portal to the enemy into your heart and is not recreating you. It's not recreation. It is not good, not healthy. That needs pruned, and then you will produce fruit and produce in an abundance. And I'm like, wow, he's right. For the past year, year and a half, I've allowed television once again to become my my stinky blanket, as I like to call it as a little kid, my anesthetizer. I go and I say, oh, yeah, I'm getting anesthetized by the TV. I'm getting dumbed up. Guess what? I am. And then at night, my wife wants to share with me, well, I'm too tired. Well, I've been drinking salt water thinking I'm going to quench my thirst by watching television, and I'm ends up, I'm killing myself. I'm, I'm exhausted. So for me, that challenge of what needs pruned, then I, then I said, all right, Lord, well, if that needs pruned, what needs watered? And the Lord's like, your prayer time with me in silence every day, listen. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've heard that from my spiritual director. I've heard that from my wife. You know, cut out the noise. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's it. So, boy, I, I challenge our listeners, you know, ask the Lord. Invite him into our homes of our hearts. Say, okay, Lord, what needs pruned, what needs watered? And then when we hear, obey. Because I spent, invested, I should say, four days after that and was probably the most fruitful I've been in the last two, three months in getting projects done and doing the Lord's work. But I had to first stop, disconnect from the world, plug back into the Lord, get filled up, and then give him my yes. Give him my yes. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I uh, was challenging myself today. I was listening to one of our CDs, and uh, uh, one of the authors who was speaking talked about uh, turning his life over to Christ and then that um, the commitment that he made to uh, to go to Mass every day and receive the Eucharist and bring you know bring Jesus into his life, but then also spending an hour a day and it kind of, it was like a zinger, you know, as soon as I heard it, it was like, oop, uh, you know. So I spend time, you know, after after Mass, um, you know, in communion with the Lord, but I could spend more time. And uh, I don't probably spend as much time in front of the TV, but maybe um, listening to radio in the car as opposed to maybe flipping the CD on, which is so much easier to flip over and say, oh, I need to keep up with what's going on. But it really is salt water in some ways because you get, you know, after a while, you 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 let your defenses down and the things that start coming in are subliminal you know you start getting a sense that there's there's nothing going on in the world that's good you know and there's people being beheaded and there's you know there's all kinds of things going on and after a while you just have to stop and take a deep breath and say but you know but God's still in control God's still God's will is still being done in spite of the fact that you know that we're pouring tar on things and we're you know as a human race but but God's still there for us and I think we don't really come to appreciate that by listening to the news. We have to sit quietly with our God, like you said, David, and and then God can come into our heart and let us know that those things are, are, are the case. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out quickly, and maybe other people um, picked up on it, but 
I've noticed, uh, you know, in, when reading the Gospels, how often <clears throat> when G- they speak of Jesus' cures, that um, sickness and possession go together, and how often um, Jesus' remedy is, is frequently forgiveness of sin. And I know the two phenomenon are different, but the fact that they sp- they're spoken of in kind of in the same breath and that Jesus kind of treats them the same way of casting the demon out or casting the illness out um, seems to suggest that, again, this is one of those things that uh, when we talk about a fever, it's something that kind of it's an erosion of our defense mechanism. It's erosion of our immune system. And we kind of let our defenses down little by little. And then we get sick. We reach a point where we get sick. And then we need to, you know, we need to call on the Lord to, you know, to bring us strength and health again. So, um, and that I think at some level is probably what happens with, you know, with demonic possession, where we let our defenses down little by little. Next thing you know, but the remedy seems to be the same, which is, you know, going to the Lord and letting Jesus kind of speak to our hearts and pulling us out of that. But, but how close do we get to that when we um, let our defenses down and start letting things of the world just come in? Especially when we're trying to relax, because then our defenses are really down. You know, then we're really not thinking about things critically. We're just letting things wash over us. You know, so. Uh, yes, and I was reflecting on this um, reading as well, and the thing that was jumping out at me, and I think we've kind of talked about it a little bit um, already, is prayer and really intercessory prayer. Um, because you could see in this uh, reading, you know, they immediately told him about her, and they brought to him, you know, those who were sick or possessed, you know, and they pursued him. And then we see, like, everyone is looking for you. So it seems like um, this, for me anyway, is a, a really good gospel on intercessory prayer. And we even see Jesus doing it as well when he goes off to a deserted place and prays. So uh, he sets for us an example by going, you know, to the Father to pray, you know, for, to, on our behalf as, as an intercessor. And I also think it ties in with, Tom, you mentioned, like, uh, you know, possession and stuff. I know there's a lot of, um, you know, priests who are in the deliverance ministry who will have people on their team who pray, um, you know, for that sort of deliverance. So um, I think you know, um, intercessory prayer is... Um, is so important, especially in today's world. And I, I think even, a, is it St. Monica? I could be getting the saints mixed up, but when we want someone to convert, I think, I don't know what saint it was, but it said to speak to Jesus more about this person rather than speaking to that person about Jesus. So, in other words, talk to the Lord first about the conversion of this yeah. person, and then, I don't know what, I don't know if that was St. Monica and, well, she she would be a good one for that because she was the one that prayed for her son's conversion for I don't know twenty years, twenty two years or something. So, mm-hmm. she's definitely a saint for conversion. You know? Well, you know, and I shared my story about television, and I'll go a little bit deeper in it now that you guys were all bringing up the fact that uh, that also sin and the enemy can be a a root cause of it. So I meet read I meet these four Amishmen down in Florida, and I read a book that one, the two of them had written called Emotional Healing. And the Amishmen are convinced that there is a root cause to a lot of illnesses, not all, but a lot of illnesses that has to do with sin, unforgiveness, mother wound, father wound, all these things. So when they were done sharing, I said, hey, I got one for you. I got a stiff neck. I said, can you, you know, can you tell me what the root cause of that is? And they didn't answer me. Three times I asked them. So finally, when they were ready to leave, they said, you know, we're going to lay hands and pray for your neck. And when they did that, he said, now we're going to sit down. I'm going to ask you a question. I said, oh, what's that? What's the biggest pressure in your life? And I went. Huh. 
I don't know. He said, do you think it's the fact, because for two years I've been procrastinating, not finishing writing this book. It's almost done. It's almost there. So I went to Florida specifically to finish writing this book. He said, do you think it was the fact that you procrastinated in doing the Lord's work and finishing this book? Is that a big pressure? Oh, I said, man, that's a, that's a huge pressure. He said, you know, that's, you can go and repent that, that sin of procrastination. And I'm like, wow, I never even looked at it as a, as a sin, but it is because I've been, I know in my heart to finish the book. I know I need to do it. I haven't done it. And I keep putting other things, the tyranny of the urgent, in the way of it. So I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. I'll do that. You know, and so the Lord worked through that. You know, and then going to Mass the next day and hearing the priest and what he said, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's, that's it. That's it. And so I repented of my sin. I finished proofing the book. The book's done. And it's a miracle because within three days, this stiff neck that's been in my neck for about six weeks now is gone. Now, you could say, oh, that's a coincidence. No, I can guarantee it's not. We don't understand how we can hold things within us spiritually that have an outward sign that shows us that there's there's something wrong. There's a blockage. And so the Lord brought the Amishman, brought the pastor, brought the priest to say, hello, David, hello. Yeah, so fascinating, fascinating. So again, ask the Lord what needs pruned, what needs watered. I'm reading a book called St. John Paul the Great, His Five Loves. And uh, this book is awesome, and it gives so many stories about uh, about our uh, our great Saint John Paul uh, that I've never heard of before. And his five loves, one of his loves is the Eucharist. And we talk about going off to a deserted place. And I don't know about you guys, but I think he was a little busier than I was. I think he had a few more responsibilities than I do. And they said that he, when he was at home, made 20 visits a day to the Blessed Sacrament, constantly visiting Jesus, constantly visiting Jesus, taking everything to him. And, uh, you know, it got to the point where he, he sensed Jesus' presence so much that when he was going on, uh, on trips that the, his handlers would have to go ahead of him. And one time he was in Baltimore. When he came to the United States, he was going to Baltimore. So, uh, you know, the, the priest from Rome came and checked out the one venue, and there was this corridor full of doors, and one of the doors led into a chapel where there was a tabernacle, and Jesus was there in the Eucharist. And he said, well, you, you must close this door when the Holy Father comes. So... Holy Father came, all the doors were closed, and he walked by, stopped, waved his finger at the guy from Rome that, you know, that went ahead of him, went into the chapel, and then the priest from Baltimore that was responsible said, and the Pope did significant damage to the schedule because he was in prayer with our Lord. And I think about it, we're so blessed here at Stewardship Mission of Faith that right next door we have a little chapel. Jesus is here, and I'm here every Wednesday and there are many Wednesdays that I do not stop in to say hi to Jesus. And the Pope, wherever he was, he just knew and had a sense of where Jesus was in the Eucharist, and he would just stop in and say hi to his, his God. Right? So uh, I, just, I just think that's, that's so beautiful. And, and we're in ministry. You know, the, the five of us here are in full-time ministry, and we're doing work for the Lord. And I think sometimes the, the temptation could be that, well, I'm, I'm doing work for God, right? I'm doing this in God's name. I'm, you know, I'm talking about God and reading about God. I'm, you know, we're giving out good material about God. But the Pope had a prayer that he prayed, and I'll just read this from, uh, from the book. It says he, meaning uh, St. John Paul uh, the Great, he knew, excuse me, he knew well the primacy of being over doing. 
as can be seen when he prayed. And this is a prayer that he prayed. Help us, Jesus, to understand that in order to do in your church, also in the field of the new evangelization that is so urgently needed, we must first learn to be, that is, to stay with you in your sweet company and adoration. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. Right. So before we do, we must first learn to be in the sweet company of Jesus, that if we truly say we believe that he is present as you know, he was 2,000 years ago in the Eucharist, he's present today as he was then, how come I'm not making that first stop every Wednesday that I'm here to the chapel just to say hi? Like my best friend from grade school, if I knew he was here and he worked here next door and you know, I only get to see him once a week, I would stop in and say, oh, what's up, Mike? You know? So, Lord, please, you know, help, help, help change my heart and, and you know, just draw me closer to you in the Eucharist. And you know what the word that I would use, Rob, because I know you're challenging and convicting me of that reality because the Lord is always saying that. I'm right down the hall, David. Come and see. Come and taste. Come and be. Be present. Let me fill you. Let me heal you. But you know what? I fall prey to the ways of the world. It says it right here. Everyone is looking for you. But you see, Jesus didn't fall prey to the ways of the world. He put the primacy in his relationship with the Father because he went to a deserted place, away from everyone that was looking for him, to be in communion, common union with the Father. And that example, which shows us right here in the Scripture, is the way we need to be. Because when we think, oh, I have to do this. I need to do this. They need this. They need that. Stop. Stop. You need God. You need your relationship with the Father. You need to stop. They need to see Christ purely in you. So for me, Rob, I'm, I'm just so convicted I gotta fill up first. We wouldn't think of go out and get in our car, start it up with an empty tank, and going to California. We wouldn't do it. Why? We run out of gas. Well, but yet we do that spiritually every day. We don't give the first hour to the Lord. You know, Father Larry Richards, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. How many people listening read the Bible first thing before they have their breakfast? How many people read the Bible before they go to sleep? Well, I'm gonna tell you right now. For the last four nights, I have read the Bible before I'm going to bed, and I have had the best night's sleep since I can remember deep, solid night's sleeps. No television, read the Bible. And you know what I woke up with? Purity. And just beautiful thoughts. The Lord, I mean, bang, 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 beautiful thoughts. So, I mean, Jesus shows us you've got to disconnect from the world, go to a quiet place, and connect in communion with the Father. And listen, 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 listen. And you woke up with a relaxed neck, too, right? I did. (laughs) I'm not a stiff-necked guy as I used to be, but I'm still a work in progress, and that's the beauty of our journey. We are works in progress, and as we learn these great, great things, share them with others so that others come to know the Lord, others come to grow in their faith. It's so powerful. Share your stories. Share your stories. And the other one here that, that really jumped out at me is they immediately, that word immediately, When I hear someone that's sick, someone that's ill, someone that died, do I immediately take it to prayer, to the Father, to Jesus? Do I do it? Sometimes I do. Many times I don't. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's another example. Immediately we hear of somebody that needs help. Stop and pray. Stop and pray. Take it to Jesus. That's what it's telling us. Rob, you mentioned uh, 
St. John Paul, Pope John Paul II. And I had a good friend um, who was not a Catholic and was, I wouldn't say he was a fervent Christian, but he was a churchgoer. He went on Sundays because, you know, he went accompanied his wife. But um, he was so impressed with the intensity with which uh, John Paul used to pray. You know, when he had, when he took trips and he was showing up on news clips and things, that, and, and I'm sure we've all seen it, you know, where he just bows his head. And there might be 150,000 people behind him, and he's getting ready to say Mass or whatever, and he just bows his head, and he goes into almost like a communion right there in front of you. And I still remember... Um, looking at that and it and it took it took my non-catholic you know lukewarm christian friend to point that out because he was so impressed with it so i started paying attention to that and you know one of the things that i've prayed for years ever since then has been um not so much that i have the outward appearance but that whatever he had in his heart that the lord bring that to me because whatever he had you know it's kind of like what what we say sometimes when people are so on fire with the lord but I kind of look at John Paul and I say, whatever he had, I want. You know, whatever he has now with the Lord, you know, I want. But it was so clear from him. So it doesn't surprise me that he was walking by a closed door and kind of sensed that the Lord was on the other side because he just had an intensity about him. And anybody that's that that's that tight with the Lord, you know, it, you can't walk by, uh, you know, your spouse without somehow sensing that they're in the room, you know, that, that somehow that tight, that closeness is just there. So that's one of the things I, you know, I, I carry with me. And I'm glad you brought that up because it just reminded me again. So, And, you know, Tom, we all have that ability to get where John, St. Bob mm-hmm. John Paul II got. Yeah. And that's a level, ever-deepening level of intimacy with our Lord. But that takes the time, the investment in the relationship to go in the inner room, to listen to the Lord, to, to break open the bread of life. And that's a daily communion throughout our day. You know, we're supposed to pray 24-7. That means God's part of our every part of our journey, everywhere. So for me, that's, that's a challenge point. I need to really stop and pray and listen. Because prayer, communication, is not only praying, telling. It's praying, listening. With that, God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day, and thank you for listening in. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website, or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.